Speak the charm of me. There will come a time on the planet Earth when science and technology will be long forgotten. When wizards will lose This is the Arnamancy Podcast. The world is weirder than we know. Join your host, Reverend Eric, in his diverse array of amazing guests in an exploration of tarot, magic, the occult, and the history of Western esotericism. The Arnamancy Podcast exists thanks to the support of generous listeners like you. Please consider supporting this podcast for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash arnamancy. Welcome back to the Arnamancy Podcast. I'm your host, Reverend Eric, and my guest tonight and my guest today is Luxa Strada. Uh, Luxa is an artist and magician and the host of the Luxa Cult podcast, uh, as well as the organizer of the Green Mushroom Project, which is an ongoing large-scale group magical working. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about chaos magic, and we're going to talk maybe about music, and we're going to talk about some other stuff. And um, and that is an awkward way to end an introduction by just saying "and um." But I'm so welcome, Luxa. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm really excited <laughs> to be here. I'm a huge fan. I just have to say real quick that I'm really, really loving Wizbiz. I'm a huge oh. Adventure Time fan, so if oh, people want to check that out, definitely take a listen because it's very fun. Okay, yeah, I mean that's my my other podcast project. It's uh, you know, occult podcasts or podcasts that have like serious topics can be a lot of work, and they can be kind of emotionally draining and kind of exhausting, and and you know, it's hard to find guests sometimes. It's hard to find really good uh, topics sometimes, and um, the Wizbiz podcast is just super easy to work on like first of all me and the me and alex and i are like splitting all the responsibilities so it's half the work but then on top of that like we never have to worry about what the friggin' topic is going to be we know it's going to be the next episode and so having that sort of easy thing to work on is kind of a delight it's a really it's it's so much easier to do than this one <laughs> yeah totally and something like adventure time which is so dense and juicy with these kind of like occult truths or whatever mm -hmm. like it's so fun yeah. it's i'm so happy about it so very cool yeah i'm happy about it too and we're you know we aren't even into the really good stuff yet you know the adventure time you know the first season is great but it doesn't really get into the deep occult weirdness until later on but enough about me <laughs> let's interview you <laughs> uh so luxa you are uh you are you practice chaos magic you do chaos magic like you know in the middle of your podcast episodes you have a little invocation to eris and you so tell us how tell me tell me how did you get started with that well it's been a long and uh storied road i suppose but i think it's kind of something that Honestly, as postmodern people, I think a lot of folks probably do have some shades of chaos magic in their practice or something that could be, um, you could draw an intersection with it, perhaps. Mm -hmm. um, so I do think that it's probably a little bit more familiar to folks than they might realize in some ways. But in other ways, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about it where people think it it's, um, there's a lot of silly memes out there about um sigils and what one does with them and sure but there's a lot of other um like anything out there there's <laughs> a lot more that goes into it right like i think that i'm thinking about how people think about astrology and they'll read their horoscope in the paper and mm -hmm. say oh well astrology is stupid or whatever <laughs> that's how could so... i be one of these 12 <laughs> options how could that work for even you actually get into it, it's like whoa that's actually a lot more complicated than people think it is you know just the, the sort of layman or whatever and i think that that's probably true for any occult tradition including chaos mm -hmm. magic yeah i mean i guess sort of the equivalent of that would be people who, th who think that chaos magic is just uh you know sigils mm -hmm. right um, okay, well then let's talk a bit like what, what, so we know that chaos magic is, is pretty new, you know, it's kind of invented or the, the whole movement sort of started in like the, the eighties and nineties, right? Like it's not that old compared to most magical traditions. Um, what do you think is kind of the 
you know, in in its current form, like what is sort of the 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 basic paradigm of chaos magic? Well, I guess the basic paradigm of chaos magic is that you can um, step outside of paradigm and recognize paradigm as paradigm. I mean, I guess chaos magic is its own <laughs> paradigm. But you can't it say can... paradigm that many times in one sentence. I don't think that's legal. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to have to arrest me because it's going to come up again. <laughs> I'm calling Interpol. Um, yeah, I think it's just a sort of idea of being able to kind of step outside of thinking about what you're looking at as being like absolute truth. Mm -hmm. Right. And saying like, look, there's a, a, a simple way of explaining this might be to say, especially to a postmodern person to say, look, we have all these different versions of way of ways of doing spirituality. And there's all of these different techniques that people are using. Some of them have a lot in common. Some of them are unique, but people are sometimes getting like the similar things from it. There's there's an underlying sort of technology there that is true across all of these different traditions. And there's going to be different shades and nuances of that based on like where it is, when it is, who's doing it, circumstances, mm -hmm. all of that. It's all going to be very um, changeable. But the idea is sort of looking at what's kind of behind the curtain there in terms of like, what do all these things have in common and how can we take that information and build models for ourselves, which are more individualized? That's one way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. Other practitioners might define it more as being able to perhaps fully immerse themselves or, or semi-fully immerse themselves in something like um, Catholicism or whatever they're interested in exploring, you know, um, mm -hmm. anything, and really sort of like take this ride and really get into it and say, what would it be like to, to, to think this way, to live this way? Like, what would that experience be like? while still understanding that you're just entering into that to have this experience. Like, I think there's a... The, defining hmm. chaos magic is very different because I... It's very difficult because I think that every practitioner would have their own individualistic definition, which is to say that it's a very individualist individualized practice. Yeah, yeah. I think... Um, yeah, I think that is an interesting way to look at it. You know, the... Um, you're talking about, you know, some practitioners sort of having that, like, the the immersive experience sort of approach to different paradigms or different religions or different uh, things like that. It really made me think of, uh, you know, the difficulty we have sometimes, like, in his, you know, historians have to do things like that to try to understand how people in the past may have, like, experienced the world. Or um, even today, like, having that sort of skill to uh figure out how people that like you know are from a different culture different religious background or even different politics like how their experience in the world and why they might you know act and feel and think the way they do like that's kind of that's a helpful skill i would say yeah even definitely it, even if you're not I, using it for magic <laughs> sure yeah i think for me a lot of it just comes down to maybe an idea of like intellectual freedom mm -hmm. or um liberation even like this idea of like how far can we sort of expand our way of looking at things how how big can we make the little box that we're in or whatever i feel like i did a good job explaining the sort of big picture idea of it but when it, when it comes to actually like practicing <laughs> it there's a few uh -huh. like keystones i should probably mention one of yeah. these is the models of magic mm -hmm. right so there's different folks will have different ideas about what makes magic work right maybe yeah. it's spirits maybe it's all um something about consciousness or psychology maybe it's because the world is like informationally based mm -hmm. maybe it's all energe energetic forces i mean maybe it's somebody like me likes to think that all of those things might be the same thing and i tend to go for something called the meta model but mm -hmm. there's these ideas of like, you know, whatever makes sense to you in terms of like how your brain works or your experiences or whatever. There's different ways to sort of like get your head around a similar phenomenon. And those things don't necessarily have to fight with each other. We can view them each as their own paradigm to yeah, describe I, something else. Yeah. Yeah. We should talk about those a little bit more because um, this is something, you know, uh, you know, when I got onto your Discord server, 
uh, you have sort of like this list of five different models. And, you know, uh, I guess I don't really spend a whole lot of time in the Chaos Magic world, since, uh, you know, um, though I, you know, I mean, I've been familiar with it, and I guess I sort of consider my I don't know if I consider myself a chaos magician anymore. I kind of feel like everybody is one. But um but I was really kind of blown away by the magic models because you know I I'd, I'd already thought of stuff like the energetic model and the psychological model and the spirit model before like those are things that I think are uh sort of commonly discussed across a bunch of different uh or I mean I don't know if they're I don't know if they're ever commonly discussed but I think that you know since the spirit model has been sort of gaining uh, popularity over the last couple of decades, people have sort of started to realize that there are these different models more, but I hadn't really ever considered like the information model. Like that one is cool. We should, let's, let's talk about all, can we just sort of give a description of all of them? Like there's five, the energetic model, the information model, the psychological model, the spirit model, and then the meta model, which is sort of the model where you switch models. Sure. <laughs> okay, so I guess I'll go ahead and start with like the energetic model. Um, mm -hmm. I think this is something that people who are into like energy healing or something like that would be mm -hmm. able or, like, to Reiki get their heads. Or something. Yeah. yeah, things like that. Like you're sending these energetic forces. Maybe it's a sort of like animal magnetism kind of thing or whatever. Like this is some kind of conceptual touchstones that I use mm -hmm. for that. I think this comes up a lot with um, you know things like doing as I mentioned, like healing work and stuff like that, I think that, that this might be a good way to look at things for that particular situation. Mm -hmm. The spirit model, of course, very familiar, classic, you know, occulty thing, you know, getting these supernatural entities to assist you with what you're doing, whether they're, you know, small tutelary spirits or larger you know princes or even you know the the big deity themselves you know it's all sort of conceptualized as being these entities that do have their own individual agency so the psychological model i think we could probably look to i think crowley although i hate to bring him up <laughs> um, did talk a lot oh, about yeah yeah i guess that is sort of the uh that's the one where you know you're impressing your will on the world huh yeah, or... and I think that there's this idea too where it's like I think Lon I think this was Lon Milo Duquette who said this, like, well perhaps it is all in your head, but mm -hmm. you don't understand how big your head is. That so, is definitely Lon. <laughs> yeah, it's a great it's a great quote and I love it. And I think that mm -hmm. that's a, a good way of looking at things. You know, it doesn't have to necessarily be one way or the other. Um but I think that with the psychological model I think that it's a really good inroad for people who might be coming from like a really materialist standpoint. Mm -hmm. And you can tell these kinds of folks like, well, these are techniques, these are psychological techniques for self-actualization, which is, an you know, I think that's an adequate description. It leaves a lot out, but it's it <laughs> still true. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I mean, I guess I have a difficulty with the psychological model because it does sort of... Um... It does sort of embrace the mundane a little bit, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But maybe the mundane is more magical than we know. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So the one that really kind of blew me away that I hadn't really thought about before, but it turns out uh, I had been thinking about it. I just hadn't put a name to it is the information model. So, yeah, this was a little bit squirrelier, I think. I yeah. think that, um, hmm. honestly, a lot of the discussions that I hear surrounding this one especially where people bring up things like simulation hypothesis, which is the idea that we're living in a simulation. Like, yeah, Plato said that similar thing a long time ago. <laughs> so I think it's kind of... Um, you just, uh, yeah, you just took your cave and added a motherboard. <laughs> I mean, right, is, am I wrong there? I don't know. I don't know. You know, um, when, I, when, I asked on, uh, when I asked on your server, like one of the people... Um, uh, suggested that, uh, like Patrick Dunn's work, um, what's the book that he's language? Oh, Postmodern symbol. Magic. Yeah, but also the his uh, his uh, his other book, Language Symbol Magic Power. Oh yeah, Is yeah, Language Symbol. 
I, I know that there's four words, and I may magic have not gotten the right Magic power language words. symbol. <laughs> Ma magic power language symbol. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> um, like, he, they sort of suggested that that book was, uh, was one that encompassed sort of the information model of magic. Uh, and I was sort of like, oh, I love that book. I love that book so much that I've bought it and loaned it to friends three times so far and I don't even own a copy of it anymore <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, but I mean it's a really it's a really amazing book right like there's a lot of because uh, one of the things he does is he plays with how uh, how information works you know the the information encoded in language the way our uh, environment feeds us information and how we can sort of change the way that information is interpreted or even you know, stuff like that. And I was sort of like, oh, maybe that's a thing. Yeah, I do love that. I might I might almost be tempted to couch those types of discussions within the psychological model, though. But, you know. Yeah, maybe. Except, tomato, tomato. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess, uh, I, guess it, I feel like it falls out of the psychological model when he sort of, I think that the discussion is sort of like, your perception is the collection of information and uh yeah i don't know that's a good question maybe it does <laughs> I, th <laughs> I think it's something that does require that uh, i mean i honestly have a difficult time splitting the two of those up except that i know that the psychological model there's just something about it that doesn't feel correct to me sure and i i similarly have a difficult time splitting the two of them because information is to me so based in my own perception right so it's it's yeah, hard for me yeah. to kind of get away from that but you know different mm -hmm. ways of looking at it will make sense for different situations and stuff mm -hmm. and then we have the meta model which is a very the, the thing i just said just now different ways of looking at it will make sense for different situations right. or perhaps it's something which is not something that we can understand too complex and mm -hmm. the territory can be described by these different maps, but we can't necessarily visit it per se. Yeah, I think, I think the meta model, because uh, I think I, I like that one too. I feel in a way that there's a kind of uh, unknowableness to magic in general. Like we come up with these models, but is there is there one real way that it's working? Do we know what that way is? So like, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like a lot of times I'm not really sure how I'm not really sure what the method even is. Oh, yeah, me neither. I don't really worry about that. All that matters to me is that it works. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to the green mushroom project. Let's just we'll start with the elevator pitch here. This will be the beginning, the official beginning. All right. You know project so sort of in a nutshell the green mushroom project is an ongoing group magical working that me and some other folks started back in 2020 and it had some simple objectives which is to sort of create this you know network of quote you know green aspected or venus aspected or healing aspect all these different symbolisms that come up with the color green we wanted to use that um, to build this kind of like network this magical network um, and from this, we wanted to be able to, like, build this community and then also have this community be for the purpose of, like, empowering people within it um, by making them more, by basically giving them more access to, like, magical tech and mm -hmm. encouraging them to use it. Um, and through this, we were hoping that we could, you know, strengthen the position against some of the gross things that we see happening in occultism nowadays, where we are seeing this rise of these really kind of openly racist groups that are, you know, claiming to represent some traditions and stuff. And so, yeah, this is a kind of alternative to some of that, we're hoping. And uh, yeah, so these are the ideas that we had in mind when we started. And I was given a sigil and some words to go with it. And uh -huh. from there, we kind of built out some traditions and things like that. We get together once a week to light a candle at midnight and we say the words and stuff, hanging oh. out and just, you know, when talking you say, about get, our... Yeah, yeah. When you say get together, are you guys in the same city or is it geographically spread out? Like, is it just sort of a, a time that you all do it at the same time? 
Yeah, well, we do a ho- we host a chat every Fungal Friday on the Discord server. Fungal Friday. Fungal Friday. So yeah, for people who are into doing that kind of stuff, you're welcome to come and join us. We usually just hang out and talk about the project. We talk about our magical work. A lot of times philosophical concepts will rise. Sometimes the conversation turns quite blue as well. So if you like, um, we, we like to make a joke that, you know, because of the mushroom symbolism, the project has, and I hope this is not too crass for your listeners, a built-in dick joke. So I feel like my listeners are used to uh, dick jokes. Okay, hope, well, that's good. <laughs> so, yeah, we, um, we feel that, you know, laughter and humor is a really magically powerful thing. So that's something that we definitely try to foster within the community. Yeah. You know, uh, speaking of laughter, I have to compliment your podcast. Like, the first time I listened to your podcast, I was kind of blown away by how much laughing you guys do on it. Like, you and your guests laugh a lot. And I really, really like it because most occult podcasts, they're kind of stuffy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so thank you for lighting, lightening everything up. Oh, well, thank you. I really appreciate that. It means a lot. Even, even if you do have to use dick jokes to do it. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't love dick jokes? <laughs> they're some of the oldest jokes around. Yeah. Um, so then... Uh, so you guys released a zine recently. We did. Yeah, we were so excited. There's so many talented people, both, you know, kind of directly involved in the project. And there's people who are practitioners who don't have any interest in interacting with us directly, but they still want to sort of, you know, do creative work, do magical work with the high sigil current. And mm-hmm. we've gotten some folks that have submitted to the zine in that way, too. So this is a really fun showcase of some of the very cool stuff that people have been up to you know, using this current. So yeah, we're really, really excited about it. So is the zine mostly written pieces? Is there artwork and stuff in it too? Like what's, what's, what's it uh, consist of? We've got all kinds of stuff. There's even a few, there's a few games in there. There's some recipes, some rituals, there's some essays, poetry, collages, there's some drawings, photography, um, other cool stuff that is eluding my mind right now. And are you, is it available to the public? Like, can people? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll give you a you? link. It's um, okay. it, people. We are going to be making a printed version of it, but people can download it for free if they like as well. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I'll make sure there's going to be a link to that in the show notes then, and you guys out there go check it out. Yeah, um, check it out. We've got have... some great. Yeah, some of the contributors might be folks that your listeners uh, are familiar with. Some really talented oh. folks out there. So yeah. Give us drop us drop us some names. Awesome. Oh well, I've got um. Let's see who we have. Keats Ross from over at Prague Magic. Oh, yeah. Eric J. Millar um, mm-hmm. submitted a really cool thing. Um, Sam Shadow, Adele mm-hmm. Soto, Lonnie Scott did a really cool thing for us from over at Weird Web Radio. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, gosh, so many more people who I am feeling That's... bad about excluding right now, but lots of great stuff in there. That's so cool. Well, congratulations on on that. That's that's awesome that you were able to. Yeah, to and I just want to together. give a shout out. Hell yeah, I just want to give a shout out to my friend Joy, who was the one that was really instrumental in putting this together and really did the lion's share of the work, and is very impressive. So thank you so much, Joy. Thank you, Joy. Wherever you are, <laughs> I hope you're listening. <laughs> Joy, I think you should make sure to subscribe to my podcast now. Now that we said your name three times. Yes. I if 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 she hasn't already, then yeah, sure. bugger. <laughs> uh, you have mentioned the word uh, hypo sigil a few times uh, related to the Green Mushroom Project. Um, what is that? What's a hypo sigil? Oh, thank you. It's actually hypho sigil. Hypho. What's a hypho yes, hypho. sigil? Hypho. Hypho is actually from the uh, word web. Right, hypho as in hyphae, as in fungal oh. hyphae. Oh, oh my God! So <laughs> it's like a, it's like a, uh, like a, a fungal. Oh, it's like the stuff that they use in Star Trek, Star Trek Discovery, the fungal network. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we sort of when I in I have a history. My background is in biology and stuff. So when I go to build things magically. A lot of times I will look to these like models that I see working in the broader world. 
Mm-hmm. And I really like this idea of the interconnected relationship, this, you know, mutualistic relationship that is shared by certain fungi and certain trees. Mm-hmm. And this sort of idea of this magical network being like this underground mycelial web that, you know, kind of strengthens and connects and, you know, helps this forest, which is the practitioners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a really cool idea. Um, I suppose, uh, and the, the word itself probably uh, makes more sense if you've heard of hyper sigils. Um, that's why I immediately yeah, it's, thought, thank I heard, you for, thought I heard hypo. But, yeah, uh, no, it's it's definitely related to that. It's kind of yeah. a hyper sigil, but it's a hypho sigil because it's yeah. fungally branded. Yeah, I guess uh, it it is making me think. Like we we might. I wonder if we skipped ahead too quickly on chaos magic. Should we talk a little bit more about some of the basic practices? Like everybody knows about sigils, but there's also, you know, um, like servitors and uh, the hyper sigil, which is kind of a newer one. I guess maybe not. Yeah, I the mean, hyper, a, a lot of people been around for a while. Well, yeah, a lot of people look to Grant Morrison's work. Um, I know that he's usually credited with coining the term mm-hmm. in relation to his work, The Invisibles. But yeah, we can talk about all of that stuff. I would be happy to answer any of those questions. Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, thanks. I will. I will carefully assemble some questions. They will be flying into your ears any <laughs> second now. Um, yeah. Well, let's. Yeah, let's talk about the hyper sigil. I mean, I. Uh, I'm a huge Grant Morrison fan. I've read Invisibles uh, a dozen times probably. For a while, it was like the sort of thing I would read the whole thing once a year. Um, I'm not sure that it helped my life much, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that it's such an amazing story. Um, so, uh, so yeah, tell us what a hypersigil is. What the heck is a hypersigil? Okay, so in a nutshell, the way that I think about it, and I think the way that Grant Morrison talks about it in relation to the invisibles, is that it's basically what you're doing is you're setting up a sort of creative project of some kind here it was this comic book but and other people will do it with other things like a painting or anything it can be anything mm-hmm. um but what you're doing is you're sort of using this as like a mirror for the bigger world and so the idea is that there's some kind of a link between this project this magical link between this project and the greater world there's all kinds of different thoughts about what that could look like um mm-hmm. but the idea is that the changes that you make to this smaller world will be reflected in the larger one. Kind of, you know, basic right, as below, okay. as above, so below stuff, you know. Um, I think that, you know, in thinking about this kind of thing, and I think that there might be some places where you can find intersection with, like, the kind of thinking that underlies the law of attraction stuff, which... I'm really not a fan of just because of like the culture that surrounds it is very gross and materialistic. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, use this, you know, to get a house with it. Just it's just. But the actual tech I've played with it, it seems to work out okay. And I think that it has something to do with um, with what's happening with the hyper sigils. Just a suspicion Mm -hmm. of mine, though. (laughs) Uh, Suspicious hyper sigils. That would be a good name for a book. Um, all right, cool. Well, so, uh, and so you think, do you sort of look at the green mushroom project itself? Do you look at the hypho sigil as a type of hyper sigil at all? Or I think, I guess it's kind of different, huh? I think it's a little bit more of like a meta hypho sigil. It's part of the idea is to encourage people to like use this kind of tech, you know? So yeah, yeah. Uh, it's you know it are turtles all the way down my friend I don't know. <laughs> just, just stick meta in front of it <laughs> okay all right well that's cool uh yeah the green mushroom project um and also there's a uh green mushroom podcast network right which is is that yes that is run? correct yeah yeah I, I don't know if anybody actually runs it it runs itself it's a, a yeah. loose um anarctic amalgamation of different um occult and semi-adjacent you know we have a lot of paranormal shows on there too Mm -hmm. which is very fun so yeah it's it's a fun way that we can collaborate together and you know share our knowledge and just have a good time so yeah 
Does, uh, I've tried to find more about it just by looking online. Is, is is there? Do you guys have like a website that lists all the podcasts that are part of the network or anything? We used to. We're working on getting that back. <laughs> Things have been a little bit in flux, but it's cool. <laughs> I mentioned the word anarchistic tonight. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, that explains why I had difficulty figuring out more about it. <laughs> Uh, cool. Well, uh, yeah. So I guess for anybody listening, don't try looking up the Green Mushroom Podcast Project. You can Just find get surprised. links to You'll all listen. the shows on my link tree. <laughs> your link tree. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, you know what time it is now? What time? It's time for a bibliomancy break. Do you have your D&D dice? Oh, shit. Yeah, okay. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go grab them. <laughs> I'll be right back. I have a, uh, a I have a stack of four unusual books. Do you want to roll a four cider to see which one we'll use? Absolutely. All right. Do you want me to here. Do you want me to tell you what the options are so you can think about which what number you want to roll? Okay. Sure. I'll, I can I can try. Okay. All right. All right. First, I've got Magic and Mystery in Tibet by Alexandra David Neal. Then I have uh, Naked Song, which is a collection of mystical. Kashmiri Poetry by uh, Lala. Uh, then I've got The Interior Castle by St. Teresa of Avila. And then finally, The Singing Creek Where the Willows Grow by uh, Opal Whiteley. All right, fantastic. I'm going to okay. try to go for the... I love poetry, so I'm going to try to go for... What was it? The Naked Song? Naked Song, yeah. Although Singing right. Creek, that's also kind of poetry, too. Okay. okay. All right. So you want a two well, or a I'm sure four. whichever one comes up will be excellent. <laughs> All right, I've rolled number one. Ooh, Magic and Mystery in Tibet by Ooh, Alexandra okay. David Neal. This is the book that introduced the idea of tulpas to the West. Oh, fantastic. Very cool. So how do we do this next part? Do you want to ask a question? I totally should have had you ask a question ahead of time, huh? <laughs> no worries. Let's Before see we here. started. <laughs> okay. All right. Do you have a question or are we just going to see what the book burbles up? Let's see here. I think I would like a little bit of direction on how to proceed with the project I've just started. Okay. All right. <clears throat> and then how do we do this next part? Should I just flip through the book randomly? Yeah. The way that I do it is I hold the question in my mind and I mm -hmm. flip through the book. And then when I get the impulse, I like stick my finger somewhere on the page and I start reading from there. Okay. Well, this is a little weird. Uh, as soon as one has imagined Dorji... Naljorma springing from the syllable ma, one must identify oneself with her. When one has become the deity, one imagines the letter A placed on the navel and the letter ha at the top of one's head. All right. I Does love that help it. at all? I think it might. Actually, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> there is actually a lot there for me thank you yeah good i'm glad oh i should have marked the spot huh so i could well you know what we'll never know we'll never know where that was in the book well at least we have it on tape oh yeah true <laughs> I forgot. <We're> <laughs> <laughs> um how did it feel how did the uh the bibliomancy turnabout feel did, did were you sort of like oh my god i didn't bring my dnd dice to a podcasting session what am i thinking <laughs> i was no i was so excited anytime i get the chance to roll my polyhedral dice i'm happy <laughs> uh okay so let's see the next thing that uh, i think we should talk about is your second album of ritually produced aural erotica which is something that i never thought i would say out loud aural erotica <laughs> Yeah, I thought the wordplay would be funny. <laughs> um, I but of course, to... oral as in referring to sound, not oral yes. as in well, referring to mouth. Well, I didn't say yes. 
oral, but I know that us, my West Coast accent uh, murders vowels, so I apologize to those of you well, listening. Well, and sometimes, you know, these uh, podcasting apps don't always have the greatest sound quality, or you never mm-hmm. know. So just to be clear, it's aural, A-U-R. <laughs> it's, it's ear-based erotica, not mouth-based erotica. Yeah, not mouth, you pervert. <laughs> ear. <laughs> what do you think this is, a dick joke? <laughs> It's for your ears. Yes. <laughs> uh, and also, you know, we should tell you, don't listen to it too loudly uh, or you'll damage your ears. You know, make sure you use protection, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. Yeah. Be safe out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, so this is your second album uh, of this. Uh, I, I listened to a little bit of it. You sent me um, a link when we were first planning, which feels like a long time. This It's taken us a while to get around to recording, but um, it was pretty good i i mean i don't mean to sound surprised i mean to give you praise it's an excellent album thank you i appreciate it um but you said it's your second which means that there was a first how did the first go was the first successful yeah you know i'm this is something that i did as a magical working this isn't mm-hmm. really something that i did in terms Holy shit, of is it a hyper sigil <laughs> uh, i don't know maybe oh, prob- you know everything's a fucking hyper sigil you know you're just a hyper sigil that your parents made <laughs> no um but yes this is actually something that I, I mean yeah i guess it's successful in terms of the the reason that i made it was to be a magical working which was successful I'm mm-hmm. not, I don't consider myself to be like a musician that would, this is really my first stab at like making music. I sort of taught myself how to mess around with audacity and produce these weird electronic, you know, tracks Noises. and stuff. And so, yeah. yeah, the idea of selling it or anything like that was just another something that like crossed my line. This is just purely a sort of magical creative project that I, I did put out there and I think I would say that I feel like it's been a success because there's been a lot of feedback from people like having listened to it and having like read the essay that I, you know, put out with it sort of explaining the, you know, rationale and everything that went into it. There were a lot of people that reached out to me and said that they had used it for doing similar work that I used it for Mm -hmm. in terms of like doing this kind of body work, um, dissolving trauma, releasing shame. Well, at the same time, like, you know, making new definitions for yourself. And there's a lot of folks that reached out to me that said that it had been helpful for them in terms of their own practice doing things like that. And so, yeah, that was something that I felt really good about for sure. Cool. That sounds awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, do you can I can I link to that in the show notes? Also, Absolutely. Like, all right. Yeah. All right. Good. Good. Um, yeah, I think people will really enjoy it. It's it's uh, I don't know how to really describe the genre of music i mean i guess it's it's electronic music but that's pretty much all music now yeah (laughs) it's not rap (laughs) i do not rap in it (laughs) that's true that's for the third album (laughs) yeah well uh, yes we'll see (laughs) we'll see how dark i get you know in terms of what like things i'm exploring because what i wanted to do with the second album is really to try to kind of push my comfort zone in terms of like going to some places that i didn't really feel comfortable with with the first one Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to sort of like embrace this kind of shadow energy and sort of, you know, do that kind of work in terms of like embracing that and everything. So the second one definitely, I think to me, has a different feel because of what I was working on during it. Although I think maybe two people that like listen to them, they might sound pretty similar. Unclear. So the second one, like I was using the same kind of technique as I developed with the first one which is a recursive process of recording these tracks, like, you know, recording these tracks, doing these these sex magic rituals. And while you are performing the next one, you're listening to what you've recorded before. Mm-hmm. So it's this kind of recursive process of, like, building up this, like, feedback loop. And oh. so I wanted to sort of, like, take that to another place because, you know, when you're messing around with things like this, well, any creative project, but the more layers of complexity you throw into a thing, the more kind of funky emergent things seem to start to pop out of it. And yeah. I was feeling, yeah, I was feeling like a real desire to sort of play with that in a more direct way with the second album, with that sort of like emergent property and really sort of mm-hmm. yeah, that connect can be, with it. That can be a really strange thing with music uh, because also 
there's like some weird line where like you cross it, you add too many layers and suddenly it's muddy. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, uh, I think I've mentioned this before. My, my younger brother is, um, is a musician and he's been really getting into sort of, you know, composing his own songs and putting all this stuff together and listening to him talk about, uh, you know, adding and subtracting from songs as he's sort of, you know, mixing them together. It, it, uh, what you just said reminds me of what he has talked about before, but it's um, the the listening to your previous work while creating the new work. That's got to be a strange experience. Yes, it definitely was strange, um, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> it's it's very strange. It's but it's been interesting for sure, and you know, this sort of idea of like, you know, you get this sense of, of really having this Congress with it, right. And mm -hmm. doing this practice. And through this, I started to feel this sense of like, you know, as I said, this emergent thing that wanted to be expressed, that wanted to sort of, you know, come out into the world in new and interesting ways. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to attempt an experiment with this second project where I would design and create a sound magic track which was specifically for the purpose of allowing the kind of entity within this music to inhabit a ritually prepared object so to oh. sort of like haunt an object with this you know sound magic track right right and so i tried this with a few different items um yeah so i i tried this with a couple of different items things that i thought would be good contenders because they were designed with like having a musical interface in mind mm -hmm. so the first thing i tried it out with was a sex toy which you can play music through on an app jeez oh, <laughs> and so um i, I, mean, I, I didn't know such a thing existed and i shouldn't feel surprised but i'm kind of like a what okay whatever <laughs> yeah okay so haunted sex toy you know that's uh -huh. something you can make if you want well, I mean, to i mean i i i totally predicted that you were going to haunt a sex toy i just didn't think that it would be a musical one <laughs> yeah well it's not it's not musical per se this is just one of its many fabulous features uh -huh. but... is it midi is it a midi sex toy <laughs> <laughs> it's a guitar <laughs> it's, <a key> <laughs> it's a giant guitar that you ride on <laughs> <laughs> there will be a link to it in the I'll show I'll post notes. some pictures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sex Guitar. I'm writing that down. Sex Guitar. It's a fantastic band name. <laughs> uh, okay, so musical sex toy that may or may not be a guitar. Did did the haunting stick? I think that it was successful. I tried it out a few times before I performed the like initialization ritual for this process. Mm -hmm. And after I did this ritual, it had a completely different feel to it. It was actually the first time it was it was very surprising that mm -hmm. um yeah, I, I I was like, wow, this worked a lot better than I thought it would and it was yeah, it's quite surprising. So that having been an interesting kind of, you know, thing to play around with, I thought it would be interesting to allow this thing to inhabit something that wasn't so single purpose perhaps um uh, it's dual purpose it's also a musical instrument <laughs> that's right <laughs> i forgot it was a guitar apologies yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um so i i there is a children's toy that is kind of furby adjacent which is sort of uh -huh. musically based and i decided it's called a rismo so i decided to make a haunted rismo with this track as well and that was that was like where things got a little bit creepier <laughs> but um, it's yeah it's been it's been interesting and as a sort of before i released this this project i put um an element into each one of the tracks that was like kind of a seal to keep it contained in there you know just because mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like it would be a good idea to have this kind of thing happening unintentionally or spontaneously not that i think it's like bad or dangerous or whatever it just you know good to be intentional about yeah. things. so but, yeah. is there a way for listeners or for users of your music to haunt something still or is it is it pretty locked locked in there if people are interested in playing around with that tech i can send you a mp3 of the track without the thing in it 
uh, man, I don't know. I really like my keytars non-possessed, but, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe maybe we'll have to check that out. <laughs> yeah, if people are interested, I mean, I'd, I'd be curious to hear what uh, what results if people start playing around with it. Um, are you? Uh, so it sounds like uh, the process of creating this album has been um sort of intense and has involved some strange experimentation um is it a practice that you're going to continue do you think is there going to be a third album unclear Ooh. i'm definitely taking a break this last one was as you said intense and mm -hmm. i'm actually i'm still writing the essay that accompanies it and i'm kind of taking my time and wanting to do that in a way that's very intentional and stuff i suspect knowing myself that i probably will make more of this type of stuff i'm not sure if i'll do a whole nother album if i'll want to maybe switch directions and maybe try to you know do something with a different technique or something like that but it's something that i have really enjoyed and it's definitely helped me to broaden my comfort zone by putting something so personal and weird out there like i really never thought that i would ever do anything like that i used to be like a very very shy reserved person who was honestly too, you know, socially awkward or, or you know, nervous yeah. to even sort of like make a podcast at all. So even making the podcast is part of this kind of process, too. Of yeah. Just trying uh, to, and let's uh, talk yeah. about that a little bit, because you have totally it, you've gone from just making podcasts like you've got another podcast that's all about like sex magic and stuff or sex or I totally forgot. You have three <laughs> podcasts. One of them yes. is with your brother doing drunk history. Is that you? That's you. <laughs> Sometimes we're drunk. It's mostly uh -huh. just about history. And sometimes though. it's history. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's uh, basically my brother is a real uh, history buff, and he really like loves studying history and talking about it. And so this is like a really fun opportunity to, for me to fill in what I feel like are some huge gaps in my education when it comes to history. To hang mm -hmm. out with my brother for us to you know have these fun conversations and get to share them with people. And sometimes <laughs> we have fun guests as well. Uh huh. The so that's called Ad Hoc History. And the other podcast is actually, again, another sort of magical working that me and some friends were working on. We haven't made an episode of this thing in a while, but this was something, it's called Smuts Up. It's a sex comedy podcast. It's definitely right. a comedy podcast. It's not something that you should listen to if you're interested in becoming more educated about sexuality <laughs> or anything like that. If you want to listen to a bunch of very stupid jokes and hear people talk about the matrix that's a good way to go <laughs> yeah <laughs> but <laughs> i mean been... <laughs> that just sounds like the sort of topic that a shy person uh or a reserved person would not tackle when it comes to podcasting yes and it definitely i think that you can hear in the earlier episodes like how very very uncomfortable all of us are doing this. <laughs> but like through that process like a lot of us were able to like make what we felt like was some pretty cool personal steps like one of the people that was working on the project came out as being trans and started to transition and like there's all kinds of oh, wow. cool things that like happened while we were doing i'm not saying it was because of that but like just things that happened during that you know like it was when, a when you start, <laughs> well, when you start to like push your boundaries when you start to give yourself permission to like you know challenge these definitions that maybe other people have given you you really can unlock a lot of potential for yourself and so yeah mm -hmm. well that's cool yeah it's uh it's kind of i guess uh as an outsider watching watching these things sort of unfurl i can't remember when i i mean you mentioned um ad hoc history a lot on your podcast uh and i don't remember where i heard about smuts up it might have been when you were being interviewed by doug or something like that Gosh, oh that's right yeah, you did it's... a sex magic episode with doug <laughs> yes yes you can hear me talk to douglas bachelor on his excellent yes. show what magic is this about yeah sex it's magic. a really good episode too i'll make sure that there might be a link to that in the show notes. I, I might have promised too many links already, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I was so glad. Yeah, Doug's great. I was so glad to uh, to, to join him for that. Yeah, he is great. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, that's... Uh, I, I've come to the end of my, um, my notes. I, I don't have any more questions for you. Do you have any questions that you think I should have asked? Like, what did I forget to ask you? <laughs> that's my, my last question. <laughs> I feel like I did a terrible job describing Chaos Magic, the Green Mushroom Project, <laughs> and, and 
to some okay. extent my album. So, but hopefully... Well, no, I feel like the, the album was described well. I think that we did a good job with. I think the Green Mushroom Project... Uh, so let's go back to that for a second. So um, one of the things... Yeah, actually, this is something that I did want to talk about. So you were talking about, like, the color green being the thing that kind of, like, draws... Uh, that you're drawing a lot of symbolism from, right? There, it's not just the mushroom half. The green half is also important. And you mentioned um, Venus and probably some other things. <laughs> um, can you tell us a little bit, like, is when you're talking about sort of, like, green symbolism there and the Venus stuff, like, is that also sort of tied into... Uh, sex magic working, or are you looking at other aspects of Venus? Like, what are you doing with what? What is the Green Mushroom Project doing with that? So the reason why I brought up Venus with green there is coming from something that is in Liber Chaos by Peter J. Carroll, mm -hmm. and so this was like the people that I sort of like were, were working with at the time to you know pitch this idea. This was a system that they were really familiar with so this was a good way of sort of like saying okay it's green magic um which is in this system sort of like contextualized as being quote friendship magic or venusian mm -hmm. magic so this idea of something that's kind of about harmony about not exactly about cohesion like you would think about with jupiter per se but about you know chillness within the domain you mm -hmm. know like the the sort of diffusion of tension the, the opposite of what you would expect from something that's like a lot of blunt force trauma you know right, right, <laughs> right. and so but there's other aspects to the color green that i think are kind of interesting too like just in terms of a sort of like psychological understanding of it like seeing it does seem to promote a sense of well-being in people Mm -hmm. um, there's all kinds, you know, the idea of environmentalism is very important to a lot of people involved in the project as well. So that's an aspect that, you know, is also a uniting factor. Yeah, that's, I think, kind of, um, that's sort of, I think, what I thought of first, especially since, you know, green mushroom, like you immediately sort of think of some sort of environmental connection, or at least I, that's, that's mm -hmm. the first impression I had. Uh, and then when you brought up the Venus stuff, I was like, oh, yeah, of course, like green is the color of Venus. Like that's, that's a pretty traditional one going back even before chaos magic, you know, Venus oh, yeah, yeah. and green are intimately tied together. Um, and uh, then I was sort of thinking about like, you know, uh, Venus and Eros have this like really strong um, symbolism, like the, 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 the power over love is kind of like the binding force. You know, this is um, something that stretches back at least to Renaissance magic where, uh, Eros is sort of viewed as, uh, you know, the one and only binding force. Like, it's not just romantic love, but it's like how scotch tape works and how gravity works and how the universe <laughs> stays together and how the universe operates. You know, it's uh, love is both binding and repelling, you know. Um, it's, why the, it's why the planets don't fly into the sun, but it's also why they stick around. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting symbolism there. I uh, I did just sort of gloss over it when you said it, and now I feel like I did a poor job interviewing you about the color green. <laughs> well, I don't think that's the case at all. And I, I like what you said about the, you know, love and eros and everything, and I, I think mm -hmm. that there's definitely some of that too. And then the idea of the mushroom being a saprotroph is really important to us as well. This is something that, you know is involved in the death process it feeds off of death but it also does it in a transformative way mm -hmm. and so like a lot of what we think about in terms of the the saprotroph nature of the mushroom is like this sort of alchemical process where we can give it things that we can't you know take or we can't carry or whatever and it can transform those things for us into other stuff that we mm -hmm. can so. yeah yeah and i think that there's um there's a lot to kind of like the otherness of mushrooms. You know, funguses are such a they're 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 a form of life that we, as uh, you know, breathing mammals, have a difficult time really understanding or, uh, I guess, identifying with. Unless you sit around yeah. for too much and you start to grow some, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they really are fascinating. I mean, even just from a biological perspective. Mm -hmm. It's not uncommon for fungi to have like multiple nuclei from different entities. They're very like 
promiscuous in terms of exchanging genetic information and stuff like that. It's very, very much about information being exchanged, which I just love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, and of course, I'm sure, uh, you know, especially since we're dealing with the with occultists and magicians, a lot of people see the mushroom part and think immediately of hallucinogens. <laughs> sure. I mean, that's something that some people are, are into for sure. Um, mm -hmm. I think that the idea of consciousness expanding is something that comes up with mushrooms in general, or, or I've seen a lot of um, association with, you know, psychological, <clears throat> excuse me. I've seen a lot of association with like psychological healing in mushrooms as well as we're starting to now legally be able to experiment with like treating things like depression and stuff with microdosing psilocybin. And mm -hmm. yeah, so now that that research is um, allowed to go forward, I think we're seeing a lot more potential about what, what these guys can do for us. Yeah. Which is exciting. Yeah. Okay. And now, now let's, uh, let's wrap this all up by explaining what chaos magic is. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> I hold on. I have a question for you. I do have a question for you. Um, you, uh, you know, in the in your show, when you do your um, bibliomancy break, you usually have a little invocation of Eris. So that has always made me wonder: Do you consider yourself a Discordian, and do you think that Discordianism and Chaos Magic have a a, a good buddy system going on, <laughs> or something? Well, first of all, I would never admit to being a Discordian. <laughs> if so anybody tells yes. you they're a Discordian, you should never fucking believe them. Right. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you know, I think there's a lot of fun history there. I think there's a lot of a lot of intersection. Um, I think we look at um, Principia Discordia. There's a lot of fun things in there there's also a lot of things in there that maybe haven't aged very well and oh yeah yeah that's true of, of many in occult text of, of course mm -hmm. um, but yeah i mean i think that in terms of some of the philosophies there, there's some good some good intersection there i wouldn't say that it's like a pancake stack but in mm -hmm. terms of a venn diagram there's definitely a, an intersection yeah i yeah i guess that's that's sort of how i would look at it too it just i guess you know i mean i came across the Principia Discordia back in the mid nineties and just fell in love with it. Like I, it was a, it was one of those books that kind of cracked my head open, I think a little bit, but, um, you know, just the fact that Eris as a goddess of chaos, she seems like a pretty good fit for chaos magic. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that that's definitely a good touchstone for sure. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot to, uh, unpack in this episode, including, the Haunted Sex Guitar, which might be the title of the episode. I haven't really If there's any out. illustrators listening, I would love to see a picture of this drawing. Yes, please. If you, <laughs> please. <laughs> if you uh, can draw us a picture of a Haunted Sex Guitar and send it in. <laughs> that would be magnificent. Yes. And we if will... you want to learn more about Chaos Magic, please listen to my podcast, Lexicult. Um, yes. There's several episodes which are entitled, you know, Explaining Chaos Magic to My Brother, in which I attempt to explain chaos magic to my brother. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that people should understand about chaos magic is uh, there is kind of a system to it. You know, the, the name itself, chaos magic, makes it sound like there wouldn't be any sort of system there. It would just be a jumble of things but there is kind of a a system and an approach in chaos magic so yeah definitely listen to um the lux cult podcast and learn all the juicy details of it yes absolutely there's a lot more theory behind what could appear to be a very kooky practice yeah i mean honestly parts of it are pretty kooky <laughs> Absolutely. But, you <laughs> but know, that is true of, of most practices know, if, we, I... if we look at it with unbiased eyes, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that a lot of my listeners are probably kind of more along the ceremonial magic grimoire type. And I would just like to remind you that you probably have spent a day this month standing in a bathrobe in a magic circle talking to your imaginary friends. <laughs> I fully so, support it. I do too. I do too. It's just chaos magicians deserve a break too. Uh, well, thank you so much. Okay, so you have a link tree uh, that has all of your, it's basically all of your links for everything. And it's, what is it? Link dot, it's link tree slash something. Luxestrata. Yes. Lux and I will give you a link to that 
where that will uh, also be in the show notes uh and then um yeah and so you've got your music to check out there's the green mushroom project zine which everybody should check out the lexical podcast which is excellent uh and has more laughing than um than this one does so you'll enjoy that listener dear listener and then uh Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. This is fun. I'm sorry that it took us so long to uh, arrange this because I think we started talking about interviewing each other or something like a year ago or something. It feels like a long <laughs> <Perhaps>. time ago. <laughs> well, I'm happy that it's finally happened. This has been a great time. I really appreciate uh, you having me on. And this has been another episode of the Arnomancy Podcast. Thank you for joining me. I have been your host, Reverend Eric. You can find Arnamancy online at arnamancy.com, and you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts are found. If you like what you hear, please consider supporting the Arnamancy Project for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash arnamancy. Vanessa Irena, and I'm really excited to announce my new store, Sword and Scythe, where I'll be offering magical art, materia, and services beneath Mars and Saturn. You can visit the store at swordandscythe.com and be sure to sign up for the email list to receive early access to new releases.